Welcome to Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina, a podcast series devoted to the teaching of rhetoric and composition with and through a range of media and focused on the writing program at St. Louis University. For today's episode, I spoke with two of St. Louis University's newest instructors, Abby Jarvis and Katie Eck, about how their experience teaching in a high school setting informs their teaching in the university. In this episode, we discuss the difference between both classrooms, the lessons high school and collegiate teaching have for each other, and the role of support systems, like iMentor, for students as well as teachers. Hello, I'm Byron Gilman Hernandez with Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina. And with me today, I have Abby Jarvis and Katie Eck. And both of you are uh, first semester teachers at St. Louis University teaching the Freshman Rhetoric English 1900 course. But we're here today to talk about some of your teaching backgrounds. If you give a brief summary of what you've taught before, Abby. I went through um, an English program at an undergraduate level that also had an education track. And so my degree is in English, but I've done all the requirements to receive a high school teaching license. And part of that, uh, the final requirement for that license is to do a semester of what's called student teaching. And that's about four-ish months of teaching high school students in a real high school classroom, kind of under the supervision of a high school teacher who has experience. So I've done one semester of that. I, I do have other like tutoring experience, uh, other teaching experience outside of that that's more individually based or individ- on an individual basis. But yeah, student teaching can be har- hard to describe. Mm-hmm. And Katie, what was your teaching background like? Very similar to Abby. I did an English program for my undergraduate education and also did the education track geared towards secondary education, so grades 6, 6 through 12. And for my senior year, one of my semesters was spent student teaching, and I had sophomores and seniors for the whole semester um, teaching only English courses. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, so a lot of high school teaching experience for the two of you and all that. Um, I'm kind of interested for our episode today to kind of ask about that kind of experience, the difference between your previous teaching in those schools, in those high schools, and uh, now teaching at a liberal arts university, Jesuit school, and all that. What do you think has been like the kind of characterizing difference of going from that one classroom to the other? Is there anything in particular that stands out to you as the big difference? Um, well, I'm, I think there's a, there's a big demographic shift from where I was teaching before. And so that comes along with a lot of other shifts. Where I was teaching before, it was uh, many of the students were low income, um, entirely free and reduced lunch at the school, and it's 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 an inner, essentially an inner city school. Um, and so, going shifting from that to St. Louis University, that is a, a private school, and um, many of our students come from a place of privilege. You have to focus on different things when in the classroom. So in in the high school demographic that I was teaching. Uh, I, I did a lot of classroom management. What do you mean by uh, classroom management? Uh, so that that had to do with building rapport uh, with students who might be dealing with really extreme home lives, building rapport, keeping conflicts to a minimum, and making things engaging because school is not usually at the forefront of these students' minds. Whereas at SLU, many of our students are pre-professional. They're looking towards med school. They're looking towards law school. And so they're extremely uh, school-oriented and grade-oriented and kind of 
come from a place of this this academic drive. Mm-hmm. Katie, did you find that your experience was similar? or? Yes. I also taught at a school with a lot of lower-income students. I taught at a public high school on the border of the um, south side of Chicago and the south suburbs of Chicago. Um, so I had a lot of students who had some home issues. A lot of them had behavior problems, things like that. So classroom management was definitely an important part of that teaching at the high school level, whereas here at SLU and in previous college level teaching experience, um, there's not that level of classroom management that's needed. It can be a little bit more focused on the actual information that you're teaching and the students are learning and the actual activities that they're working on and a lot less time is spent on those management activities. Was that a surprise for you or were you kind of just like when you went from your first day of teaching after a semester, that teaching of writing course, seeing the classroom, was it a little bit, what was like like the moment of like change? Was there ever a moment where you're like, oh yeah, this is not how it usually goes? <laughs> yeah, I had that. Uh, I remember the first day of teaching, one of the first things I thought at the end of class was, wow, I didn't have to tell anyone to sit down. You know, like in in the classroom I was in, there was a culture of movement and like, not being contained to desks and chairs. And it was something that I had to grow really used to as someone who grew up in a school that was very structured and things were a certain way. There's kind of like a fluidity of where students are moving into the in the classroom. And then coming back to SLU, I thought to myself, they all sat in their chairs the entire class period. And it was just, it seemed like a silly thing at the time of like, I didn't have to tell anyone to get back in their seat. Yeah, I think for me, um, the the main difference was kind of the, I guess, the level of authority in the high school classroom. I was a senior in college, 21. The students could tell I was only a few years older than them, and there was a lot more of that kind of battle for, well, we don't really, you know, have to listen to as much, whereas at the college level, I feel like the students are very respectful, and there's not a lot of pushback or challenge to your position as I'm going to... Um, be up here and I'm going to teach you and talk to you about things and there's less of that kind of butting heads. It's more of a professional, I guess, education atmosphere it feels like. Yeah, that's a, your, uh, Katie, your phrase authority in the classroom kind of stands out to me because the last um, EPEM episode I was on, episode uh, four, two, was about gender and ethos in the classroom. And a lot of that was not just about, you know, teaching and like issues of gender a lot of that was about like that first semester teaching and that being so young and establishing authority when you're not that much older than students did you find that in like you know teaching in high school and one of the big things they were talking about was uh the use of lying and deception (laughs) to get across like you know that this isn't your first year did you find that to be like were there any strategies you developed for that or Um, I think at the high school level and at the college level, I've been very kind of upfront with my students. Um, They know generally they can guess my age. I was definitely more nervous at the high school level than I was here. Um, It's been a few years since I finished undergrad. I've had some professional experience, so I don't feel as young or as unexperienced as I did um, first teaching at the high school level. And I think the key there was just kind of working on some of those classroom management techniques of building rapport with your students. Um, you'd have to do a lot more of that at the high school level than I feel you do at the college level. I had kind of the opposite experience because I came uh, straight out of undergrad into my master's program. And so while I felt removed from my high school students, uh, I it seemed like a whole different world to me. I felt like I'd been in college forever. And so um, from the first day that I taught them, 
I told them that I would be their teacher for the semester, but that I was also a student with them and that I was a student in learning how to teach them. And that seemed to like kind of build a rapport and to say that they they felt comfortable coming to me with Miss Jarvis. Uh, you know, I don't know that I liked that activity very much today. And they felt comfortable doing that. Whereas coming to SLU, I thought to myself, you know, I was, I could have taken English 1900 or the equivalent at a senior level and I would be one year older than the students I'm teaching and that was intimidating to me so I actually didn't start hinting at the fact that I was a student until maybe a month in I just didn't mention that I was a student hmm so uh I'm also kind of like that issue of establishing authority a lot of that's not just your personal tactics but what kind of support structures you had and uh as I mentioned, both of you uh, have just finished. We have a semester-long course at SLU for preparing new teachers. But, I mean, I feel there's like a world of difference between that. You had to get a teaching license. You had to do like a whole year-long track of your undergrad experience to prepare for teaching. How did that uh, those differences compare? Is there anything in particular that stood out that you felt preparedness-wise was different? Um, I think for undergraduate, I think a lot of the help came from having education courses every semester, and we had various education courses, like one semester would be all on classroom management, one would be on um, creating assignments and rubrics and effective methods of visual learning and all different types of learning in the classroom, and I felt like that helped me a lot in my high school teaching, and then Coming to SLU, I think the class that we had last semester was very helpful. Um, it was rhetoric-based, so we learned a lot about the pedagogy of using rhetoric, and we learned a little bit about what the assignments were going to be that we would be teaching as SLU has a kind of a schedule of specific assignments that are across the board used in all 1900 courses, and I felt like that was a little bit helpful as a head start of jumping in, but I think authority-wise also um, at the college level, you have your syllabus, you have your professors, the students have more responsibility on themselves, and there's less of a need, I felt personally, to establish myself as like a very strict authoritarian position, because if they don't do their work, I'm not going to be calling their mom or talking to their guidance counselor deeply about it. Um, There's a different level of expectation there I think for student participation when it comes to authority right and I I totally agree with what you said about education courses as giving a really good foundation of being confident in what we're doing here too Um, I think that can be really tough in in the course that we take to inform our teaching of English 1900 at SLU it's hard to fit two years of education courses into one semester of one course so I think we, you know, we were given what we could be given in that amount of time, and but I do think that part of the, the establishing authority comes from the confidence that you have in your ability to do, the work, and I think that's maybe one advantage that I felt like the education program gave me before, that that helped me establish authority in the college classroom. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I think one class that was particularly helpful at the undergraduate level was the education pedagogy, which I think would be 
maybe a little bit helpful to kind of wrap some of that into that um, intro to teaching class that the first year students take here, just because I felt very confident in my own teaching abilities and I have that background and I wasn't as nervous about teaching English 1900 for the first time, whereas I know some classmates were kind of like, I've never done this before, I don't have any education background, we're a little bit more worried about their confidence level and worried about what it was going to be like in the classroom. That was actually a question I was kind of going to ask about that. (laughs) Oh, no, quite good. Um, But uh, I was curious, yeah, so you were in that class with our incoming class. I can't remember how many people were in that. Technically, there's eight of us. There's eight masters. We had about 11 or 12 people in the class. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there were some, some people in the class had already been teaching because they they still need to take the class for like uh, Correct. The, credit. Yeah, the credit. But uh, a lot of your peers were completely new to teaching. Mm-hmm. And did you feel like from your perspective, there was something like your experiences that you felt more prepared because you like you had a class like the one you were just talking about or anything you felt you could transfer into that classroom? Absolutely. I mean, I, I actually pulled some assignments uh, that I use from student teaching to use in my English 1900 classroom largely assignments that I was using with seniors because, you know, the, the, who are teaching now are one year out of being seniors. And so I think that helped a lot in having those. So sometimes it's as simple as having practice giving a lesson in front of a classroom and knowing that you can get through it and that 50 minutes isn't as long as it sounds, I think makes a big difference in your confidence level too. Yeah, definitely. I think all the experience with like lesson planning and the 150 hours spent in various classrooms and then the semester of teaching, it definitely prepares you a lot more than maybe someone who didn't have that experience initially to be prepared to stand up in front of a class two, three times a week and give that lesson plan and try to get not only the information across to make sure the students are learning, but also make sure that you are following the goals of the course, the desired objectives and outcomes, while also making sure that you meet the requirements of the basic list of assignments for the English 1900 class at SLU. So there's really no substitute for the practical experience of there's, That's what they hours. say, too, in kind of the undergrad level, that um, we can only teach you up to a certain point, and at some point you just have to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge learning experience to just throw yourself in and try it because there's nothing quite like that. Right, and things that might work for you maybe don't work for someone else, and it's just kind of the repetitive getting out there and doing it and finding out what works not only for you but what works for your students. You may have to switch things up every semester, but just having that practical application of being in the classroom is really where you get that experience from, which is why I think it's great that SLU's program does allow us to teach um, and does encourage us to be teaching at the 1900 level, especially for students who don't have any classroom teaching experience or background. When we started this, we were talking a lot about the difference between SLU and the high schools you were teaching at, uh, demographics-wise and uh, student kind of the character of the student body. And I'm curious, I'm really interested in like uh, why I would like to be a part of this podcast and directing this interview is as someone who's been teaching at SLU for four years now, and that's been the sum total of my teaching experience, I'm very interested in what I'm missing. Like I'm going through SLU experience, I'm getting a teaching experience, but this is a very particular, and as Abby, you said, a very privileged set of students that, you know, there's a lot of concerns and awarenesses I don't have to be concerning myself with. So what 
do you think of that that difference? What are we? What should we who are maybe not encountering these students be aware of for education in America? Um, I think it's really tough to do at the collegiate level because a lot of the way that I treated my classroom was that my students were people first, and that's what mattered to me more than the assignments that they were turning in. Um, I don't think that the same sentiment is always there in the collegiate classroom because these students are adults, and so at some point it's tough to worry about you know, 20 people that are in your classroom, but I feel like I still have a sense of trying to trying to treat the students like like their people before they're my students. Um, and I think that's that's something that is focused on a lot in a high school setting because you you have parents that are coming to you with issues. You have students that can talk to counselors and the counselors and talk to the teachers. It's a very uh, it's a very contained bubble. Whereas at SLU there's always the stereotype of, you know, in college, you're just a number in a classroom. And I think that trying to push back on that can be so important to, to, to not losing any of your students like engagement, because if they feel like you, they know that, you know, who they are, it's going to make all the difference in the work. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think having all those um, undergraduate education courses were super helpful, but I think at the college level, some of that information would be helpful, but I also believe maybe not a lot of it is necessary. I think at the high school level, they are really young, still. De- I mean, they're still developing minds in college, but it's at a, a different, to a different extent, I would say. Um, and I think one thing that would potentially be helpful at the college level is some of that educational pedagogy and maybe some of the, um, like we took a class on special education, which isn't something maybe huge at the college level where we don't have we're not teaching entire classes of students with special needs but some of our students do have accommodations they do have potentially different learning disabilities that I think it would be very helpful for those at the college level teaching to be a little bit more aware aware of maybe to have some information or some background on and tying in maybe different ways of learning into the classroom absolutely and I think that that was a big part of getting our Illinois licenses was Mm -hmm. you had to you had to show proof of students with special needs in your classroom whether those special needs were that they they needed extra accommodations um, because of a learning disability or whether it was that they were a gifted student and they needed accommodations to be challenged I think that's something that we don't explicitly focus on at the college level all the time that we might see that a student has accommodations in their online profile but uh, we don't have an understanding of how that translates into the classroom, and it's not really driven home to like to make sure that those accommodations are in place whenever they need to be. Or I guess, I guess just making sure that 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 student is getting what they need mm-hmm. um, was something that was I feel like just pounded into my head in undergrad. Right, and I think one of the main differences there is at the college level, it's the students. Um, responsibility to come tell you if they Mm -hmm. have like a specific need or a specific accommodation other than what's in just the description that you're given Um, and that does put a lot more responsibility on the student but I feel like it would be very helpful for master's and PhD students teaching English 1900 or other courses to have some kind of knowledge about that very similar with the Illinois licensure program but my teaching experience at the high school level I had a lot of students with special needs um, kind of in every single classroom it was just just below the maximum you could have in a regular classroom um, and that was a very challenging situation to be in but it also 
made me very patient and understanding and I learned a lot from it and I think I've been able to transfer that to um, my teaching here at SLU. One thing I was uh, we, were, we were talking about before recording here mm-hmm. is that the two of you have kind of a different um, future plans for what you want to do with your MA when you're out of SLU. And I'm going to start with um, Abby. You said you're interested in going back to teaching high school. In the classes you're teaching now, is there things like you're seeing to kind of like the reverse of this? Like what is your experience here at SLU? Is there stuff that you want to bring back to being a high school teacher that you think this experience will be productive for that? Absolutely. That's actually part of why I came in the first place. Um, I got the high school teaching license and I decided, number one, I wasn't done with school yet. I wasn't ready to be out in the traditional working world. And so I wanted to come here to understand how I could best serve students in a way that would bridge the gap between high school and college more smoothly. And so that was something I worked with my seniors on. And I, I had a professor who knew the school that I was working at and always asked, you know, do you think you're, those students that you're working with are ready to enter a first year writing program? And It was a tough question because I didn't really understand what a first-year writing program looked like. And so I think that's one benefit of at least teaching here at SLU. But I also think that the extra study in coursework gives me a more in-depth understanding of uh, literature and rhetoric as a whole that I can go back and be able to give to students in a way that makes that transition much easier. Because I felt very, I felt very, very grateful to have had that in an AP teacher in high school, that he understood what was coming to at the next level and, in fact, kind of over-prepared us. He made the course harder than what a 101 course or an English 1900 course might look like. And so to have that skill set to jump back into the high schools and to give the students the best possible skill set and all of the tools that they need to make it through that first year, which is sometimes the hardest for them to make it through. Mm-hmm. And Katie, we were talking about this. You're not um, interested professionally in returning to the high school teaching profession, but do you think that there's something in particular that could be brought back to the high schools from here? Is there like? Yeah, honestly, I would have to agree with everything Abby just said. Um, If I were attempting to go back and teach at the high school level, pretty much uh, the knowledge that you learn and kind of that bridging that gap, especially since we had similar background student teaching experiences of teaching students with coming from lower income families and with maybe not super at level skills. Um, A lot of my students were seniors and they were reading at maybe a seventh grade level, not really able to write a full paragraph. Sentences were completely fragmented and just being a little afraid for them going out into the real world with those skills, knowing that some of them wanted to go to college and fearing about that gap between their skills and where they should be and that leap to college where it is a lot more individual, it's a lot more on the student, It's there's not hand-holding, you have to be able to do it all on your own, you have to go out and seek like university writing services or a tutor or something if you're struggling, and a lot of students maybe don't know to do that, don't know how to do that, aren't willing to do that, and that's why I think a lot of students struggle um, in a first-year writing program. And that's, I think, kind of full circle because I think that's part of why like sometimes we might think of the student first before the curriculum because we we've worked with the students that were so hopeful about college and were excited about going into college but we knew that they would have to work that extra 
uh, like go the extra mile to seek out services that they needed. And so I guess that's why I personally feels so like, I guess, fiercely loyal to my students that I I want them to, I I don't want them to slip. I don't want them to be so, have been so excited for college and finally here and then to think, oh, I'm a step behind. I can't do it. I'm, I can't do that. You know, I'm going to slip away. So I think that that's exactly, I think you Mm -hmm. hit on the reason exactly that um, we've, we've seen those students that are very hopeful and we want to do everything we can to get them there. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm kind of on the opposite end of that where I'd like to teach at the college level for some of those same reasons. Um, and this might be going off on a tangent, but I'm part of this program called iMentor where you're paired with a high school student from a low-income school, from a school that doesn't have a lot of graduates or a lot of graduates that go to college. And you work with them their junior year, their senior year, and then you work on college applications, you walk them through that whole process of figuring out what they want to do with their life, getting them prepared, keeping them on track, and then you also uh, mentor them their first year of college and help them kind of deal with those those gap things that they have to deal with. And as someone who was privileged to go to an undergraduate university and had a strong education background, we're there to help those people say, well, okay, well, if you're not doing so great in your with your writing, what services does your university have for you, things that the students may not be super fully aware of, or maybe someone came in during orientation and, you know, you give the 15-minute presentation and then they never think about it again, Um, but kind of that's why I want to be at the college level, to kind of see that difference and to be able to recognize these students are coming from maybe a different background and maybe they just need a little bit extra help or direction or, like, I want to help get them where they need to be while also having a deeper focus on rhetoric and literature and all the theory and things involved in that as well. Yeah, it feels to me, if I were to put like kind of as a summarizing of what I'm hearing from you guys, this whole uh, podcast we've done has been a lot about support networks, Mm -hmm. support networks for students, making sure that it's not just all following on them, but to make sure that they have an established outreach, Mm -hmm. support networks for teachers, your education, your uh, background, like practical or philosophical, as well as, you know, that on-hand time that helps develop. And as student teachers yourself, how do you feel your support network at SLU has been developing as, you know, both students and as teachers? I think we often rely on each other, not only first-year students in our program, but also the PhD students. Whenever I have a situation that comes up in class that I I have a reaction of this is the way I want to do it. This is where I'm coming from, from my background, my experience, but I'm also going to check with some of the other people in my program who've maybe been teaching here in this program a couple years longer than I have, and I go to them for advice, and I ask them, here's my situation, what would you do? What do you think is maybe an appropriate response? And I think that it's really helpful, not only as students to have each other in the program, but also for teaching the English 1900 to be able to ask other MA or PhD students for advice or guidance or to swap information. Oh, you're teaching this in your class. That sounds great. I would love to teach that too. Can you send me your lesson plan for that? Which I know I've done with Abby a couple times when we've casually been talking about what we're teaching in our classes. Um, And that's always very helpful. Also, I think the professors are very open to answering questions. But I think personally, my support network for teaching relies heavily on my own classmates and the PhD students. Yeah, I would have to totally agree that I think right at first, uh, the first year students 
relied a lot on each other. And once we were kind of around the graduate office more and became more involved in the wider community, we've been able to reach out to the the other students who are later on in the program who have that experience. And it's it's really nice to be sitting at my desk and be stuck and not know what to do and to run across the little cubicle passage and say, here's my situation. I'm teaching in 20 minutes. Do you have any tips on what I need to do? Because I haven't cracked the code. And many times they have exactly the, the code. You know, they, they know, oh, this is what I've done. And I take what they've done and I adjust it to fit my classroom. And I, I agree that that network's there. And then it's always nice to have a director that you feel you can go to with issues. So our, I, I've mm. gone to our writing program director about a student just to say, you know, I just need some advice on how to handle this situation in a way that I won't, I won't like kind of lose the student's engagement because the student's very, you know, is very productive and the student's very intelligent and I just want to treat the situation in a way that's going to keep that student. And so there are those casual peer conversations and then there's also um, when we need a little bit more of directive advice. That's to flip the script, have you felt that with your background experience, having that practical, those, what was it, 150 hours in the classroom, have you felt that you've been part of that network of support for your peers? Yeah, I mean, I I remember writing a lesson plan last semester, and there were some of our classmates hadn't written one before, and I pulled up a blank lesson planner that I had that doesn't work exactly at a, at a college level, but can be adjusted. So even just mm-hmm. having digital materials that I can just send over and say, use this however you want, adjust it however you want. I think I, I can serve as like kind of like a resource bank of like, I might have a document for you to look at. Right, exactly. And I think um, even at the beginning of the semester when we were all working on our initial syllabus and things like that, we had a, I feel like we had a lot of classmates come to us and say, well, you've done this before. What should this look like? I don't want to just use you know the, the example that's been given to us, but where do you think I can play with this here? Or for the initial assignments, like, well, I've never written a lesson plan before, so what is this supposed to look like? How do I make this last 50 minutes? Things like that, I think, have been casual questions that I think Abby and I have been able to help out with. And as I said earlier, I'm very much approaching this as an outsider, very much in that kind of collegiate teaching world. Is there anything I haven't asked you about that I ought to have? That's a great question. Uh, Well, thinking about the maturity of the students in the classroom, Mm. I was just talking to you, Byron, about this last week that I I think that in some cases I thought I was going to jump into the classroom and be kind of harsh and, you know, think, you know, you're adults, you need to get this together. And I've I've found my approach to more naturally be treating them as high school seniors plus. Like, they're they're not very far out of senior year. And so that's, I've I've done, I think, a little bit more hand-holding than I meant to do. And initially I thought students would respond poorly to that and think that I was babying them and that it was a blow-off and too easy. And maybe some days it does come across that way that they they think, but at the end of the day, I want them to feel comfortable in my classroom. And if that means guiding them through in a little bit more structured way than they might be doing in other classes, that's been, that's been an interesting similarity between high school and college levels that the maturity level, while it's a step up, can still be similar. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much, both of you, for being on this podcast. 
And I uh, appreciate uh, you taking the time to give us your perspective. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. All right. And those of you listening, thank you for your time. If you'd like to get involved in this podcast series, share an assignment, tool, or even to pitch an interview, please contact me, Byron Gilman Hernandez at byron.gilmanhernandez at slu.edu. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina.